Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, here we are back at it with love, dates, and heartbreaks. This is part two of our series. How many of you guys are excited to be at church on a Sunday morning? You guys in the front are super excited, the rest of you. You got, some, you got some work, man. Hey, if we've never had an opportunity to meet, my name is Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church. And for those of you who are worshiping with us online today, thank you guys for choosing LifePoint. If you're new, whether in the room or online, we're so incredibly blessed that you would choose LifePoint. If you have never heard our senior pastor, Danny Rivers, speak before, I'm asking you, please come back next week. He's an incredible communicator. He's super funny. And we all know this, he loves his knives, and he's going to bust one out at some point. So, if you love, you know, like real country men-like things, he's your guy. Uh, This is one of those series that's really, it's a really big deal. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how old you are, like religious, non-religious, searching, the one thing that we cannot escape is relationships. And I know for some of you that bums you out. It's like you hate people, but you cannot escape relationships, right? From friendships to more than friends, you know, to dating, looking to date, engaged to married, whatever's in between. Like we cannot escape relationships. And so I just want us to kind of acknowledge something kind of right out of the gate today. This is actually why we are doing a series like this in general. We need to understand that we are only as healthy and whole as our closest relationships. Okay, hear me out. Today's going to be like super practical, so practical, it's going to be painful. And I'm going to mention the word love like so many times, you're going to hate the word love. (laughs) But it's okay, because we're here to talk about love. But we are only as healthy and whole as our closest relationships. And this is a really big deal. Because sadly, relationships nowadays kind of remind me of, when I was growing up, I used to collect things. Anybody collector, you know, cards, baseball cards, football cards, tech decks, you know, why we collected tech decks, I have no idea. But relationships nowadays kind of remind me of like trading cards. Like we want to hold a hand, we want to have different options, but the truth is, in reality, we don't want to commit to anything today because what we want today might change tomorrow. And unfortunately, we see this happening in friendships, we see this happening in relationships, and sadly, we even see this happening in marriages. Because truth be told, There's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion concerning love that has been sold to us in the music, the media, the movies that we consume. These myths, these messages, these meanings that have been mixed into everything that we consume. And so while the scene of dating has changed across history, right, unfortunately the same beating heart in humans back then is the same beating heart in us today. So it's the one thing we cannot escape. And what breaks my heart, what breaks my heart is how often I see people make relationship decisions that undermine their relationship. Like how often do you see people currently doing this now? People making relationship decisions that undermine their relationships. And so the relationships that we want, that we hope to build today, are influenced by the decisions that we make today. And if we make bad decisions, we undermine the integrity of the relationship we want and hope to build tomorrow. And this is why this series is such a big deal. 
Because this is not a matter of intelligence. Like, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how intelligent you are, what it is that you hope for. This is a matter of narrative. And this is what we explored last week. Pastor Jenny walked us through what it looks like, why it is that we're doing love wrong, and how we've taken our cues from culture, right? And, and the first one that he kind of set us up with was that for most of us, our relationship should equal our happiness, that we are only as happy as our relationships, that we can all find the one and live happily ever after, and we broke that down and we're like, that's not true. Here's why that's not true. The problem with happily ever after is happily ever after is how fairy tales end. But it's how our stories in reality actually begin. Like, I don't know if you know this, but when you say I do, the story just started. Right? And I hate to be the one to bust the bubble, but somebody's got to, and it might as well be me. Our lives are not fairy tales. And falling into love, this is, oh, I just fell into love. Falling into love often means that when the rush of hormones finally subside, the dope from dopamine, go look at it, go look at the message from last week, you are left with some emotional and relational bruises you did not anticipate. You're left with some bruises that you did not see coming. And so many of us spend so much time dreaming about Mr. or Mrs. Wright but never actually becoming the right one for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And the reason this is, is because the dreams are free. It's the journey that costs you something. And so often who you become determines who you will meet, determines the, re- the, the level of success within your relationships. And how often, how often do people enter into relationships intending to do well, meaning to do well, right? We want to be committed. We expect to somehow find a way to happily ever after. Yet we don't realize that what we have been taught by culture, by our world, is to chase relational chemistry and exercise relational contracts, right? We've been duped, man. We have come to believe that love is the feeling that we chase and chemistry is the one that we embrace, And it's causing so many people, so many people to damage themselves, to damage others. This is the reason for so much heartbreak, confusion. Because if I'm no longer happy, and I'm not the problem, then you must be the problem. You must be the problem. And if you can't live up to your end of the bargain, then why should I live up to mine? And if this is getting hard when it used to be so, so easy at the beginning, then why should I stick around? The problem is, baby, love ain't a feeling. Love, love is a choice. And this is why we said last week love is hard. Love is hard because it is what we have to choose to do. Love makes us accountable. But when we're accountable for something and not capable for accomplishing it, we end up being miserable. When you're accountable but not capable, you end up being miserable. And this is why Jesus for me is such a big deal. This is why Jesus for me is the starting point. Because Jesus steps on the scene and says, hey, if you follow me, it'll make you better at life, but it'll also make your life better. Following Jesus won't just make your life better. Following Jesus will make you better at life. Jesus steps into the scene of culture and he begins to introduce these radically new ideas like, upside down kind of thinking 
pushing back against what his culture of the day said and thought. Religious and non-religious alike, Jesus had something to say to challenge them. And Jesus didn't just say, oh, hey, guys, like, I think you should probably love. He was like, you probably should do this. No, Jesus was like, if you follow me, if you claim to follow me, if you believe in me, then I actually command you to love. Look at what he says. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And what's everything that Jesus said within his ministry hung on this. Everything centered around this. And his followers wouldn't really know what that actually meant until after Jesus was crucified, until after he was resurrected. Then they would begin to realize the truth of what Jesus meant. Because Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his followers. And this was a radical, completely altering new kind of love. And he said, hey, I want you to love me, but you need to know something. I'm leaving you. But I want you to take what it is that I've demonstrated for you, the love that I have shown you, I want you to take that love and demonstrate it to those around you, in your relationships, in the world, with those that you love. And this is how the world will know that you follow me, based on how you love them, when you live it out, when you act it out. Then the Apostle Paul, on the heels of Jesus' life, comes along and then he actually unpacks throughout his letters to the church, what love looks like for us. He impacts Jesus' command to love well, to love others like he has loved. And this is why we often hear the words of Paul, whether you're religious or not, like at wedding ceremonies. We hear it often, that's the most, it's like it's potent. His words are so potent, so you hear it at every wedding ceremony. And Paul says, look, I need you to understand this is what love looks like. These are the expressions of love. And so today... We're going to start off where we ended last week and figure out how to walk in and out our relationships better. What handles love actually have and make it practical. And so he starts. Love is patient. Love is patient. In other words, love isn't pushy. Love learns to accommodate to the pace and grace of the other individual. Love accommodates a grace and a pace to the other individual, just like God has accommodated to you and to me. Like, think about it. Has God been gracious with you? Like, if you're, if you're anything like me, like, I've done some really boneheaded things in my life. Like, daily, like, it's a wonder that God hasn't just opened up the ground underneath me and, like, taken me whole. Like, he's just like, I'm taking out the trash today. Like, I'm not that good of a person, but the truth is, neither are you. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> but God is patient with us. He's patient. He accommodates to us. And then he continues. Love is kind. Love is kind. Love is willing to loan its strength when you are weak. Love learns not to, not to one-up somebody. Love is learning how to lend somebody strength when they are at their weakest. Just like God did for you, he asked us to do that for others. And can I just throw this in there? We have to be really careful how we choose kindness. Because sometimes we think that truth, you've heard this, well, my truth is a kindness. <laughs> but we have to be careful when and where we leverage truth. 
Because if you leverage truth without relationship, you can actually do more damage than you intended. And it, it actually has nothing to do with what you said. It has to do with how other people feel you feel about them. They don't just need to know that you care about them. If they don't feel that you care about them, then what you have to say isn't going to be helpful at all. No amount of truth will help somebody if they don't feel that you care. People need to know how much you care before they care about how much you know. We've heard that. We have to embrace them where they are as they are. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. Love allows the other person to step into the spotlight. Love allows the other person to stand in the spotlight and then learns how to step out. It allows the other person to get the credit and the attention even when you feel like they don't deserve the credit or the attention. Love learns to let others shine. Because after all, even the Son of Man, even our Savior, did not come to stand in the spotlight. And God says, I want you to treat other people like I have treated you. Because I treated you like you were more important than me. I expect you to treat others like they are more important than you. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. Give his life for many. And as his followers, he's saying, this is what I want you to do. Because love does not dishonor others. Love does not behave dishonorably, disgracefully, indecently. It treats other people like they are more important than we are, even if they aren't. We treat them like they are. Why? Again, because of what Jesus did. He placed himself under us. God sent his son Jesus to pay a price, a debt that we could never pay, that we were incapable of paying. And God sent Jesus and said, I am placing you ahead of him. And I want you to place others ahead of you. If you're going to follow me, put other people ahead of you, not because they're better, not because they deserve it. As a matter of fact, even more so, when they don't deserve it, when you feel like they don't deserve it, you still treat them with honor and respect because that is what I have done for you. And this is why the next part of what Paul says is so important to me. Because he's talking about serving, and he says serving is selfless, love is not self-seeking. And we normally wouldn't say it this way. We would just say love is not selfish. Love is not selfish. Love puts the interest and needs of others first. Love puts the interest and needs of others first. Love puts the interest and needs of other people first. Because let's face this. We're all smart enough to know if we could learn to do this in our relationships, this would solve so many of our problems. If we could learn to not be selfish, this would solve so many relational issues. It'd be like, it'd be easy. But this one is hard. This one is so hard. Because naturally, you just like me, we're selfish. We're self-centered. We're self-seeking. We want to fulfill our needs, our wants, our desires. It's innate to us. And that's why Jesus says, take your cues from me. Don't take your cues from culture. Don't follow your appetites, your impulses, your desires. <laughs> this is not about the way that your dad was, your mom was, the way that your friends are. I want you to follow me and learn to give your life away to others like I have given my life wholeheartedly for you. And so here's a free dating tip. 
right? Because, you know, dating can be fun but stressful. If the person you're dating right now, if the person that you're looking to date just takes, 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 and all you do is give, 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 then don't stay, stay, stay. Run away. (laughs) Super simple. But so many of us stay in relationships that we don't need to. And I know that somebody married in the house is like, oh, this is my cue. Like, he said I can leave. (laughs) No, sir. No, ma'am. Like, covenant is not always comfortable or convenient. Ooh, it got super quiet. Covenant is not always comfortable or convenient, and we could do a whole message and probably a whole series just on that. But just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean that we have to let people walk all over us. And if we're being selfless and we're being generous and people are taking advantage of us, then it might be time for you to create some space between you and those kinds of people because they're not for you. But if you choose to be selfless, if you choose to be generous and those re- other people respond in like kind, if that, if that other person in that relationship reciprocates that kind of love, then they might be, could be the one for you. Don't let your love be self-seeking. But that's not all. Because Paul goes on. Love is not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. And easily here, this is, This is a big word, right? Because if you've been in marriage for any length of time, like I've been married for 10 years. I know I look 15. I'm not. I got married at 21. I'm 31. I've been in this game for a little while now, right? We know what it's like when we're in relationships and that special someone just says that thing that ticks us off, right? We know what it's like when it's the little things and you're like, why why did that little thing throw me off so much? Because we've, if, if you're dating or if you're married, you've been there. Where we've allowed ourselves to follow our feelings instead of allowing love to lead them. Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. And following Jesus is an exercise in learning to deal with what is in you before it comes out of you. Following Jesus is learning to deal with what is in you before it finds its way out of you. To learn how to respond well rather than react poorly when it comes to our relationships. Because, come on, everybody gets angry at some point, right? Like, we know it. We know that we're going to get angry at some point. But if you're going to love like God through Christ loved you, you're going to have to learn to not get easily angered. And this little Greek word here used for anger is actually a cooking term. And it's, it's genius. Because he's like, he's, it, it's, it's, it means to be stirred up, Right? And we know what that's like when they use that tone, that one word, they have that body language or that expression, and you're like, oh, snap. It's on like Donkey Kong, fists start flying. Mentally, of course, otherwise there's a problem. Got to get that addressed. Are you easily angered? Are you easily angered? And if you're easily angered, do you realize that is a you issue? If you're easily angered, do you realize that's a love issue? Which means that what is in you is not being dealt with by you. And you've got some work to do. And and, and I'll just be honest, because I know that for men, this one is probably really common. Like, this happened to me this week. Like, me and my wife were in a conversation, and something really good happened for her. And for whatever reason, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, it just made me mad. 
And then in the middle of our conversation, I had to like turn around and apologize and say, it's, I am so sorry that I responded this way to your good news. It's out of my own insecurity and disappointment in myself that I responded this way. In the middle of the conversation, but the only reason that I was aware of that is because I don't do life alone. I walk out my life with friends in faith. I have other believers that I have surrounded myself with that I am continually trying to hone what is happening within me because in every season of life, there's a new you to deal with. There's new pressures. This is why friends in faith is so important. This is why if you call LifePoint home, life groups, it's not a suggestion. If you call LifePoint home, life groups are not a suggestion. It is an expectation that you will be in a group. And if you're moving around from church to church to church, you have to find, you have to get planted. You have to get planted. If I continually pull a plant out of the ground, eventually over time, it will die. And that is what is happening to your spiritual walk. Because you are not in a community where you can continually be nourished. Over time, you grow. Over time, you bear fruit. Stay planted. You need an environment. You need an environment where you can be raw and real about what is going on within you. We need a safe place where we can walk out what is happening within us before we unintentionally let loose to those around us, which always happens to those who are closest to us. Our family, our kids, our close friends. You need a group of people who will embrace you as you are where you are, trusting and believing that as you begin to walk out God's word with God and with others, that he is changing you, that he's challenging you, that with his Holy Spirit within you, you can begin to become and live out love as you meant to. And for some of us, we need to acknowledge that we have such deep relational baggage chains from our past, chains from our family of origin that we need to acknowledge that we need some professional help. And please hear me today. That's okay. If you need professional help, that's okay. It doesn't make you any more broken than the person who is sitting next to you. There are great men and women of faith who are counselors and who are therapists who are trained to walk alongside you and help you find the life that has come that God has come to give you through Jesus. Don't walk through it alone. And if you need help, let us know. We've got people that we've partnered with, people that we trust, that we can help direct you to, to find the life that Jesus has come to give you. Don't be bound when Jesus came to set you free. And so when you begin to get easily angered, stop your mouth, because you know that that thing's always running. Drop your fists and listen. Because love listens. Learn to lean in and listen because love listens. Love, love puts the other person's story ahead of our own. Love puts the other person's story ahead of our own. Because isn't it true that when we're upset or when there's conflict, that it always usually is surrounding story? This is what you heard. This is what I said. I heard this. You said that. Most of our conflict originates from story, from our understanding of how we experienced it, saw it, and heard it. It's about story, and love realizes, you know what? We have different stories. As a matter of fact, we have different stories about the same exact event. <laughs> that one's funny. But I love you. And so I'm going to learn to put your story, your version of events, ahead of my own. And I'm going to learn to lean in and listen 
Because love remembers that everybody's behavior makes perfect sense to them. Everybody's behavior makes perfect sense to them. Love learns to respond well. Love doesn't react. We have to learn to listen. And sometimes that means that we have to take an energy on concerning it, whatever it is, happy or sad, good or bad, whatever matters to the other person should matter to us. We have to take something on that we don't want to at times because love chooses. But Andrew, I just a hard day. You have no idea the dumb people I had to deal with. We all deal with dumb people, I'm sorry. <laughs> like it happens. Sometimes life is draining. Love is not a feeling though. Love is a choice. And sometimes you love the commitment, but oftentimes I would argue you have to commit to love. You choose love. You choose love. And I know, I know we're like, oh, it's, it's easy to love those that we've chosen. But this isn't just about those that you've chosen. Jesus comes and says, I want you to love those that you choose and those that you have ne- would have never chosen in a million years. I want you to love everyone well because I love everyone well and they, like you, bear my image. Love others well in all of our relationships with those that we encounter. Love the Kyles and the Karens. <laughs> like... And I'm sorry if your name is Kyle or Karen. Your parents could not have foreseen the memes that you would be named after. Like, don't hold it against them. But it is their fault, not yours. But on that note, right, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And before we start pointing fingers, like, we've all done this. We have all done this. We've all attempted to pull up the past in order to pull a fast one in the present. We have all attempted to pull up the the past in order to pull a fast one in the present. But our Heavenly Father says, pump the brakes. That's not the right way forward. That's not the God way forward. That's not what Jesus would do. Do you remember that as far as the east is from the west, I have cast the transgressions that you've committed to me that far that wide. There's that much distance between how much hurt you've put on me. And if I'm willing to extend that much grace and love to you, that's the amount of grace and love that you should extend to others. And forgiveness is freeing. It's for your benefit. Holding on to the past, past problems, past pains, past misgivings will only sour the present and spoil the future. Don't let that happen. And to play back the past is an attempt to manipulate the situation and take the upper hand. It's a power play. Like, stop the power play. The moment that you reach out to bring up past misgivings, you are trying to get leverage on the other person. You ever notice that when somebody does that to you, when somebody pulls up the past over you, who's in the elevated position? Love does not look to leverage. Love doesn't look to leverage. Love looks to lean in and understand and listen. And this is why Paul says Jesus made himself nothing. Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. And so when Jesus says, now come and follow me, that's the nature he expects you to exhibit. 
take on my example, not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient, not just when you want to. In your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, at work, with those who are randomly around you on the street, follow me to bring about human life. Follow me as a human being to bring about human flourishing. Because Jesus came to give life and life abundant. That's what Jesus' love is all about. And I know that we can look at this and we can think, this is, this is difficult. This is overwhelming. And it is difficult to love this way. Because love, loving this way, is not natural. But it's the better way. It's the better way that Jesus come to show us was possible with him in partnership and in step with him. And Jesus says, look, simply follow me. And over time, as we begin to renew our minds and strengthen the habits of our hearts and embrace who he is and love what, who he is and what he has done for us, then a change begins to take place in our lives. Not perfection, but progress. And pro- progress, progress is the point. Jesus says, take on my kingdom values, begin to express kingdom virtues, and look, watch how the world begins to change. Take new color, new shape, new life that you never imagined was possible. And then Paul slowly begins to bring this conversation to a close. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth it always protects. And we could, we could break this up, but I think, I think this makes so much sense together. This is a really big line. Love looks for ways to keep bad things out of a relationship. And so the question is, or do you find yourself, right? Do you find yourself smuggling in debt into relationships or to marriage? Do you find yourself smuggling in bad habits into relationships or into marriage? When you do that, you are undermining the relationship. You're not protecting it. You're not a good person because you're not doing what is good for the other person. And nobody wants to be that person. Love protects. Love protects the relationship. Don't look for ways to smuggle things in. And if you have, you're going to have to do the hard thing and come clean. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Because love is a choice, right? Love is a choice. It chooses to see the best. It chooses to hope the best. It chooses to believe the best and then overlook the rest. Love catches and enjoys catching people doing good things, doing what is right. It always believes. It always perseveres. Love chooses. Love chooses a generous explanation for the gaps. Sometimes we can't fully understand the whole story. Love chooses a generous explanation for the gaps. This is how love submits and serves others well in relationships. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant, honoring, selfless, not easily angered, not a scorekeeper, protecting, trusting, hopeful, persevering. This is love. But this is why love is so hard. 
this is love, but this is why love is so hard because often this is what we hope from others. But if we're, if we're being honest, truthfully, we don't hold ourselves accountable to these ourselves. And Paul is so smart because he knows, he knows what we're thinking. He knows the pushback that we want to give. How can we possibly look at this list and we think, sweet Lord, like how am I supposed to do all this? How am I supposed to embody and be all this? Like on my best day, B plus, maybe. Like everything had to line up in my favor. And I still would fall short. And Paul, he says, all right, let me get personal with you. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child child. When I was a child, when I was a boy, I talked like a boy. I thought like a boy. I had imaginations and dreams like a boy would have. I had wonder and discovery as a child would have. And it's not a bad thing. Nobody's going to judge or blame a child for that. But, and I think he slows down, looking as many people in the eye as possible, trying to draw us into what he's about to say next. But when I became a man, But when I became a woman, when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me as if to say, hey folks, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Let's stop acting and behaving like children and looking for excuses. We're better than that. We're bigger than that now. Love is hard. Calmly, gently, the way that only somebody with godlike wisdom can. Paul says, When I was a child, I fantasized and dreamed about how my life could be or the way that it would turn out, the way that a child does. But now, now that I'm an adult, I don't think that way anymore. Life isn't a fairy tale. We don't just fall into love with Mr. or Mrs. Wright. We don't just live happily ever after. No, we have to learn to be wise in how we love, live, and leverage our choices each and every day. We have a responsibility to ourselves and to others because we are only as healthy and whole as our closest relationships. We are only as healthy and whole as our closest relationships. And we're going to have to learn to abandon this storybook approach to life, to ditch the assumptions about love that culture has indoctrinated us with, that it has somehow convinced us of. Love is a choice. And we have to do the difficult work of becoming the person, becoming the person, being the person that we are looking for is looking for. We have to become that person. And for the person who's married in this room, are you being the person that you hoped to marry, hoped for? Or are you waiting for them? The joys of technology. in such an important moment. Now here's the truth, right? Because somehow we have been convinced that love in relationships is 50-50. Culture has somehow convinced us that love is 50-50 and that's not the way that it works. Love is always 100-100. That's what Jesus did for you and me. Jesus didn't go halfway. 
He went all the way. And that's the same response that he expects out of you and me. Love submits and love serves others well in a relationship. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant, honoring, selfless, not easily angered, not a scorekeeper, protecting, trusting, hopeful, and persevering. Because isn't this what we're looking for? Isn't this what we hope for? But this is also who Jesus says that you can and should be. Are you willing to do the hard work? Are you willing to learn to not follow your feelings, but let love lead the way and choose love each and every day? Choose love. And begin what sees, begin to see what happens when you partner with Jesus and listens to, listen to his words and take it to heart and how it will begin to transform your life from the inside out and how you will treat others better and be treated better than you ever thought was possible. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God, in this place. You know, I think I speak for so many people in here when I just say we are so very grateful for the grace and mercy that you have extended to us. God, thank you for loving me the way that you do. Thank you for taking the first move, the first step, for demonstrating how much you love me. Because God, on my best day, I'm still not good enough. But when I lean into the life of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he has done, and begin to trust, trust his words, his example, and you begin to show up and life begins to take place, then I, my faith can take root. It can begin to grow and flourish. God, and I think each and every one of us, God, when we're looking at your word, that list of what love is, that each of us, there's one area that maybe you've put your finger on this morning and said, this is the one thing that I need you to work on. I need you to learn to be more patient. I need you to learn to be more kind. I need you to learn to not be easily angered. I need you to learn to honor others well. I need you to learn to be more selfless. God, that we would take that one thing and that we would run with it this week, maybe this next month. God, and here you are encouraging us that we can have the kind of love that we're looking for. We can be the kind of love that you have, that you have given to us to give to others. God, help us model and live this out in our lives because you are worthy of our best. And because you love others, we, God, should love them too. God, help us to model love to others the way that you have modeled it to us. In your name we pray, let us choose love. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for the Word of God this morning? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.